Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, folks. We're going to get into it on this Friday afternoon. Yeah, Thursday night football went a little crazy last night. And of course, you know, we, well, I did mention it and I, I hate when I say stuff like that because like it's, it always seems to be like bad mojo, but I was, I told you I was heavy on McCaffrey, didn't really see a situation where he doesn't get there barring injury. And of course he pulls a hammy, Uh, you know, I, of course, you know, you, you, you always want to avoid uh, the potential jinx, but, like, the reality of the situation is, uh, just kind of thinking back on it, Carolina did give him a bunch of carries late against the Saints when they didn't need to. It was a short week, obviously, with Thursday Night Football, you know, coming back. But the play that he got injured on, honestly, it's a common play. So, realistically, what are you going to do? It, like, these things happen. Obviously, if you drafted him in season long, uh, you're 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 pulling your hair out. Uh, best ball folks are going crazy, but you know this is the reason why you try to handcuff when you can. And for someone like CMC, you know that's so central to their offense. The number one priority basically goes to Chubba Hubbard for waiver wire. If you didn't handcuff. And in terms of your uh, free agency acquisition budget, for those of you who operate under those rules, I honestly think you could do 30% of 100 uh, for Hubbard realistically. Just because of the way Carolina's offense is set up, obviously they're not going to run Hubbard out there uh, 100% of the time. And even in the game last night, you saw Royce Freeman uh, get in the mix, obviously, uh, to uh, mi- uh, to break break things up. And, you know, Freeman is also in play. I would say Hubbard's the priority. Freeman definitely, though, uh, should also be in consideration uh, for uh, spending free agent uh, acquisition bucks, especially if you're shallow at running back as is, as a number of teams are, you know, given what's happened with James Robinson, uh, you know, you've got uh, the Steelers uh, offensive line. I talked about the Steelers offensive line being bad, folks, in, in the preview. Like, I, I, I warned folks about this. and uh, You know, I tr- even I got sucked into not playing Najee Harris uh, for DFS purposes because the pricing was just so favorable that, you know, you think maybe with certain matchups, the Steelers are getting there. The Steelers' offensive line isn't moving anybody. Um, so I would say, yeah, if you are struggling at, all, uh, at running back, Carolina's got a decent enough offensive line. Yes, did they struggle against the Texans? Yes, but it was a short week. Texans, 
are playing hard. Uh, you know, I'll give them credit. They are playing hard for now. We'll see how it goes once uh, it, reality sets in of how bad their team is. I, I still think uh, you, you've got a, a bad team that eventually is going to roll over. So, in, in my opinion, targeting the, uh, the Texans is a viable strategy um, for survivor pools and uh, DFS purposes. But, you know, with that being said, you know, you almost got there anyway. Even with, uh, you know, you still could you should have cashed with what I was talking about with Hubbard and uh, having DJ Moore with Darnold in the lineup. You still got there. Uh, and Anthony Miller uh, played well last night, uh, as did uh, Brandon Cooks. And Cooks ended up being a winner. Like, basically, uh, the, the folks who faded CMC and w- uh, were able to squeeze in Cooks at 10K, along with uh, playing Darnold in the captain and fading CMC entirely, they got there. They, they you know, they, they, they were the optimal build. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you're not going to get me to say that, uh, not playing Christian McCaffrey is a, a good play. I, I just, I, I understand the play that, you know, anything can happen, but realistically when a guy is that heavily involved in the offense, it's, it's just not a great play fading him completely. I get it with certain builds. So if you were playing multiple lineups and you're in, you know, lineup a hundred, like, like the thing is the fading CMC, honestly, you have to get through, I would say a hundred lineups to, like to realistically fade CMC, unless you just, you know, you just wanted to play a high leverage uh, game script. It's just so hard to, maximize how you're going to get there without CMC uh, being in the mix. And, you know, the only reason why was because he got hurt. Uh, realistically, the way that game was lining up, CMC was going to smash that team. They, they were running the ball. Uh, Texans uh, were having a tough time getting a hold of him. He, you know, he was physical in the run. It, he was catching pass. I just think that it, sometimes you run bad and, you know, injuries happen, but, Outside of that, like, there was nothing that I saw uh, heading into that that would lead me to believe that uh, Christian McCaffrey was not going to be the optimal play last night until he got hurt. You know, there was nothing about that game. Yes, I know DJ Moore was going off uh, uh, early on uh, with some pass cat, but, like, realistically, they were going to turn it right back into CMC in the red zone. Like, Moore was – you were definitely going to need him, he was not going to be uh, the optimal captain play, in my opinion, un- until uh, McCaffrey got hurt. Then he had a chance, and then, you know, as we all know, Darnold uh, had a couple of QB sneaks, and that ended up being the optimal play. But, you know, so it goes. Now, uh, so far today, uh, we got a, quite a busy weekend. We got a UFC uh, uh, pay-per-view on hand with Volkanovski versus Ortega. We've got the Ryder Cup for golf that I want to talk about a little bit. And the playoff races in baseball heading uh, as well as uh, uh, week, uh, the rest of week three in the NFL. You know, we've got a lot going on now with uh, sports as uh, we turn to fall and we got college football going on. You know, there's a lot uh, to digest. And, you know, I would say in terms of a couple of things I want to touch on, uh, the Ryder Cup. Uh I always say this, and, you know, 
folks who uh, can say it's unpatriotic or whatnot, but, you know, it is the weirdest thing for me in golf that people get as caught up in the nationalism uh, for the Ryder Cup teams when during the year they are ripping on uh, mostly the U.S. golfers and praising the European golfers. So I always find it hilarious that it just turns into us versus them uh, once it comes to the Ryder Cup and, and selections. Uh, and the European teams love this. They love uh, how rowdy it gets it, and with crowds and whatnot, especially when it's a abroad. So in terms of the Ryder Cup, I know everyone has Team USC, uh, USA favorite, and they're and they're up early in the in the early round action. Uh, Xander Shoffley and uh, Patrick Cantlay laid down the hammer on uh, Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter. I, you know, from a game theory standpoint, I was actually uh, looking to target them uh, because. I, I know everyone was so uh, so high on Cantley and Xander, but the way I kind of looked at this is that you know Xander won the Olympics, he get, he he got the gold medal. Then you had uh, Cantley on the most ridiculous run of his life for the past month and a half, uh, wins a couple of uh, tournaments. Uh, obviously, one was the Memorial where Rom was going to win that before he tested positive for COVID again. Uh, uh, before he tested positive for COVID the first time. And, uh, yeah, ended up winning the FedEx championship as a result of technically that memorial run uh, it, it beating out Rom because of the wonky FedEx Cup format and winning player of the year, which he should not have won. It was Rom's – I mean, Rom was the player of the year. He was the best player all year long. It, you know, just because Cantlay won the wonky – FedEx Cup format does not mean he was the player of the year. Everyone knows, uh, <laughs> everyone knows how how that the, the entire season went. It, it's just kind of it, it's it is what it is. But uh, you know, I just kind of looked at it from the standpoint of you have a U.S. team that's heavily favored. You've got combustible parts to say the least. You got Brooks who talked about how he's not that amped up for this type of uh, playing format before the Ryder Cup even starts. He was talking up how he wasn't that big on uh, the Ryder Cup format. Then you have, obviously, the Brooks-Bryson dynamic of how are they going to get along. They had a kiss and makeup session, but then it turned into this whole viral Twitter stream of thought where Bryson is still, I mean, Brooks is still kind of trolling Bryson. It's just a weird dynamic. And the other thing that folks aren't talking about, you still have Colin Morikawa, who says his back is fine, but he has not looked right since the Olympics. Uh, You know, he got the selection in. You have Brooks with uh, a wrist issue. He looked fine today, but, you know, you never know with the injury issues. And you had certain guys getting left off, like Kevin Na, who's the hottest uh, uh, golfer for the U.S. side, in my opinion, not named Cantlay, and he got left off the team. It's It was a weird couple of selections uh, that came in uh, because, yes, you want the your best players, but at the same time, they also have to be able to play together. And, you know... Uh, Justin Thomas and Spieth cannot always be your synonymous duo because my whole thing is both JT and Spieth are very streaky players. 
So if it's going great, phenomenal. But it can go sideways in a hurry. And the thing is, for me, speed has been going on the downward trend again for the last month or so. I, I just... There were a lot of red flags for the U.S. team for me that seeing as how they were uh, being uh, positioned as the betting favorites, from a DFS standpoint, I kind of lean more towards European builds because if everyone's siding with the U.S. side, you know, just to get a little contrarian, it makes more sense to build it for the European side. But the the thing of it is, though, the reason why I didn't kind of go into a whole spiel about how you do your roster construction is this is just not the format to go heavy on dfs lineups in construction because it's all due down to captain selection as to who goes when what the pairings are what the matchups end up being guys can end up getting bent getting benched so i'm playing very uh pretty much very light by my standards for the entire week and even for showdown format you know i'm gonna have to wait until lock to put in my lineups because i won't know who's playing or not it's it's kind of crazy that the captains have that much power that they can hold withhold the lineups until the very beginning of the competition like if at least uh, you have to wait uh, an hour before the actual tea time to know who's playing uh, where Uh, so very strange bedfellows to say the least uh in terms of the Ryder Cup format. But, you know, obviously I'm hoping T- uh, Team USA wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Europeans hold on uh, t- uh, t- uh, to win the Ryder Cup again. Obviously this was the later year, so uh, uh, they had an extra year uh, of uh, uh, being defending champs. But I-, I just don't... I don't feel... Gr- Even though the U.S. got off to the start they needed... I still don't feel great once it, it gets uh, into the weeds and you still got guys going one-on-one against each other. Uh, you know, some of these guys are not that great in this type of match play format. I, I don't know. It, it, it's I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I don't think it's nearly as straightforward as people think it is for the U.S. to, uh, to win the Ryder Cup this year. That, that's just the way I'm looking at it. So... Moving on to tonight, uh, we have a baseball slate, and it is do-or-die time for the Yankees. Ten games left in the season, and while, yes, technically they are in a playoff position with the wild card, they are in a very precarious position because the Yankees, while, yes, they, uh, well, technically it's nine games left, I, I should say. But while the Yankees are in a wild card spot, they are only a game up on Toronto, two games up on Seattle, and four on the A's. The problem is is that they play Boston, who's two games ahead of them, Toronto, and (laughs) the Rays to close out the year. You know, they do not have an easy schedule. They got all potential playoff teams, and... Both Boston and Toronto, uh, they have they have the uh, they each have a series against Baltimore that they could easily sweep. The Yankees literally have to win every single uh, series remaining of these nine. They they need at least six wins, bare minimum. They need six wins, but they also have to hope that Toronto and Boston drop games against Baltimore because the problem is Toronto. And Boston can sweep Baltimore. 
And the Yankees can find themselves in the position where if they don't sweep the Rays to close out the year, they can, mi- they can miss the playoffs entirely. And I say this because I told you guys from the beginning months ago that this Yankees team could be very well dead in the water come uh, uh, this time when everyone's expecting them to make the playoff run that they may not make it. Now, I will say certain things that folks will not want to hear, but realistically, if you look at the numbers, the Yankees are prohibitively worse than all the other contenders in the AL East division. I'll, I'll say this. The Yankees are fourth in run scored in the AL East. Fourth. They have the fourth were uh, they they have the four they're fourth in run differential in the AL East. Toronto's at plus 178. I, I, uh, uh, I mean Tampa is at uh, leading the division is at plus 178. Toronto's uh, plus uh, 166. Boston's plus 84. The Yankees are plus 34. The Yankees have only scored 668 runs coming into tonight. Toronto's at 796. The Rays, the Rays are at 811. Boston's at 794. The Yankees are so low on the totem pole, they have been outscored by the Cleveland Indians, the Twins. The A's who play in a lousy ballpark. There are so, there are multiple teams that play in worse hitting ballparks than the Yankees that have scored more runs than the Yankees this year. So as much as I rip on the bullpen being taxed, you know, even with all that, because the bullpen has been overtaxed and it has caught up with them. The issue with the Yankees is their inability to generate runs efficiently they're not good at it so when it comes right down to it in a playoff format where you need to be able to score there are multiple teams that are better run scoring offenses than the Yankees despite the names on that roster the Yankees are not a top of the line uh, offense in baseball hell the Cardinals who Keep winning games somehow. As much as I said how much the Cardinals suck, the uh, the Cardinals are on a 13-game win streak, and even with that, the Cardinals have only now managed to get a positive run differential. The Cardinals are plus 21 in run differential this year. The Cardinals, however, are only seven runs behind the Yankees in, ter- in terms of runs scored this year. And they play in a worse ballpark than the Yankees. I I keep saying this, but the Yankees are not a very good offense this year. They've been very unbalanced. And that was including the run the Yankees went on in August where they were smashing everything under the sun and everything got hot. That's what I kept saying, folks. You know, now that the weather's getting cooler, it is going to be harder for the Yankees. Yeah, could they smash uh, Eovaldi tonight? Of course, Eovaldi's not very good. I, I know he's put up decent numbers this year for Boston, but I never looked at Nathan Eovaldi as a top-of-the-line pitcher. The Yankees can hit, uh, hit him. But the problem is, can they do it consistently for the remaining nine games of the season? Uh, you know, the Yankees could score 
almost like, hell. The Yankees could score ten runs uh, tonight. Not saying they will, but they could score ten runs tonight and only score two the next two games. That's how random the Yankees have been. And the the thing of it is, is that you don't know when the outburst is going to come or when they're going to completely sputter out. But the the numbers don't lie. They just don't score enough runs. Period. Uh, to keep up with uh, most of these teams that they're uh, in the heat with for a playoff spot. And even when you get, if you get into the postseason, you have more efficient offenses. Uh, you know, it, it's n- it is not easy for the Yankees to make the playoffs. The Yankees have a 56% chance of making the playoffs. I think that's exaggerated by... The statisticians, I, I, I they, they give Toronto a forty percent chance. I honestly think it's fifty fifty. I really do think it's fifty fifty. I think it's a coin flip because they're just looking at it from the standpoint of how many games are left, uh, and they honestly believe, from an analytics standpoint, the Yankees are a better team than Baltimore. My stance is. Baltimore has conceded fewer runs than the Yankees this year. They've scored over 100 more runs than the Yankees this year. How are you actually statistically saying the Yankees are a better uh, team than Toronto? You know, I've had a real tough time, and I've said this multiple times throughout the year. I think the Yankees are the fourth best team in their own division. I really think the Yankees are going to need some luck and bounces to go their way to make the playoffs this year. I do not feel good about the Yankees. Yeah, could they win this series against Boston? Of course. Uh, you know, they can dig they can dig deep and, you know, find a way to win the series. Like, do I think they, get, uh, they can sweep Boston? Probably not. But the problem is if they don't sweep Boston, it puts them a little bit behind the eight ball because Boston has that series against uh, the O's. And Toronto has that series against the O's. And that would still leave the Yankees hoping that Tampa rest starters to make life easier for themselves so they can uh, so they can try to beat Tampa or sweep Tampa to get into the playoffs. And Tampa, I, I cannot see Tampa rolling over for the Yankees. Not with the amount of bad blood between those teams. They're going to play hard through and run through the tape, in my opinion. I do not see Tampa taking it easy on the Yankees if they see a chance to eliminate the Yankees before the playoffs even start. I just don't see Tampa passing up that opportunity. So to me, the the Yankees, at best, I think it's a 50-50 chance they still make the playoffs. Even with that payroll. And having Garrett Cole. And I'll say this about Garrett Cole. You know, I said this last week, and he, uh, when he, uh, and he ended up getting right. The, the problem... I've seen with Garrett Cole this year is he he's really has needed to be in that front running position. If he's not in that front running position, he has struggled. And you know, the Yankees need him to just be a beast tonight. Like they they just need it to happen. It's like there is there is no tomorrow. Uh, they need Garrett Cole to be playoff Garrett Cole. But compared to some other teams, the Yankees still have a shot. Slim one, but they still have a shot. Which is better than to say for the Padres, because the Padres currently stand six and a half games back because the Cardinals won earlier today. As I said, the Cardinals won 13 in a row. They swept the Padres. The Padres are basically done for the year. They fired their 
director of player personnel for developing minor league players. Uh, looks like managers getting fired as well. I mean, the Padres just had an epic collapse in the second half of the season, and it literally stems from the fact that they were not able to secure Max Scherzer because the amount of guys they've trotted out there. Last night, I think it was Vincent Velasquez. The night before, it was uh, Jake Garrietta. Like, they just did not have any pitching left given the injuries they've sustained to their uh, – their starting rotation and you know at the end of the day you still got to have some pitching the Padres just you know didn't have any it looks like they were just uh their farm system was uh based off of the guys they had traded away their farm system uh in terms of the pitching rotation was two years away from being able to contribute anything this year and they needed guys who could step in and uh, rotate it uh, didn't happen, and the team's paying the price because, you know, they they fell off hard. So, you know, as I said, uh, the Yankees aren't going to be the biggest bust, in my opinion, of the major league season because you have the Padres. But, you know, there there are teams there are teams who thought the Padres. Uh, I mean, experts who thought the Padres were going to win it all this year. I didn't. I wasn't one of them, but. You know, the Padres offensively even slipped in the second half of the year where they weren't scoring at the same clip anymore. And I talk about this. The run differential makes a difference. The Padres only have a 44 run differential. The Dodgers, 247. The Giants, still a game up on the uh, Dodgers uh, for first place in the division. They're up. uh, they, They had 183 run differential. The Giants scored, have scored 756 runs this year, even more than the Padres. Obviously, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, but, like, you know, you look at the Giants, there's a reason why they're in first. They score a lot of runs. You sleep on them because they play on the West Coast, but guess what? The Giants are legitimate contenders to win it all. You put up that many runs, you're in the bone because there are not enough teams that can actually generate offense this year with the amount of swing and misses up and down lineups this year. So, as I said, uh, it is going to be an interesting close to the season because the NOS has yet to be decided, and whoever fails to win the West is playing a red-hot St. Louis team that, as I said, I don't think is actually good, but in a one-game playoff, you know, anything can happen at this point. It's crazy to believe. And then in the NL East, the Phillies, despite being as putrid as they have been all season long in terms of consistency, they still have a negative run differential. They're still at minus four. That's how bad the Phillies pitching has been this year. Uh, They've scored 707. They've given up 711. Uh, They're just bad. But they're only two games in back of the Braves because the Braves also, while having a plus 115 run differential, they are middle of the pack at home. They just dropped so many games at home that the Phillies are in it. They are in it. Even though the Phillies are a terrible road team, they've won enough at home to keep this actually close. And, of course, uh, the Mets collapse. Uh, We all know the Mets' offensive struggles. 
uh, as highlighted by their owner, Steve Cohen. But, you know, the Phillies actually have a chance of making the postseason. As bad as they've been all year long, even though the Braves, you know, for all their faults and lack of bullpen, they've been the best team in that division as bad as the division has been. But like I said, plenty of games to go in this final week and a half of the season. You know, it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that we, we get another surprise. Uh, you know, uh, the Cardinals have played their way into the wild card. It's just a matter of who fails to win the West that uh, ends up being their opponent. And as I said, I, I can't believe I, I'm actually going to have to consider playing the Cardinals in a DFS slate because everyone's going to favor the NL West team that, uh, that plays the Cardinals. But yeah, man, it is just, it's unbelievable how this baseball season has gone along. But as I said, the Yankees in a dogfight with Toronto because Toronto has this series against Minnesota. Uh, and you know, past that point, uh, Toronto has the easier schedule. Now, Toronto could drop games, of course, but this is not, as I said, this is not the situation uh, that uh, the Yankees wanted to find themselves in. They they have put themselves in a bad spot where they now technically need help because, uh, you know, provided that Toronto doesn't uh doesn't lose the series against uh minnesota which you know you never know it's baseball but i i gotta think that the yankees have have to win that series against toronto i i just don't i don't see the yankees being able to sweep tampa so the yankees have to win at least six games to make the playoffs at least six. Probably to be on the safe side, they need eight. The uh, eight gets them. It gets them there, uh, and puts them in uh, in a position to host the wild card game as opposed to being the road team. I don't know if the Yankees actually have that in them. They have been so up and down. I think it's far more likely the Yankees go below five hundred in this nine game stretch then win eight games that's just been the model for this team so we'll see how it goes but uh i think it's going to be a very very dicey uh couple of days for uh yankees fans in general so uh that's all for the show today uh in terms of uh anyone that's going to be playing dfs tonight i'm going to be on the uh i'm actually going to be uh, the the Giants need to win this game in Colorado. It's it's Colo- it's Colorado. There's going to be fluky offense abound. I think the Giants can score runs there. I think Colorado can score uh, quite a few runs as well. They've been swinging hot bats lately. I'm actually targeting that game. And then I'm going to try to uh, figure out my pitching situation. But uh, I'm likely landing on uh, Dylan Cease uh, in terms of uh, – my starting pitching and then kind of work my way from there. I don't like Cole for the reasons I already outlined before, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully uh, he gets it done for the Yankees tonight, but uh, 
I, I just won't have that much exposure to him from a uh, fantasy perspective. So uh, that's all for now, folks. But uh, have a good evening and weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, a couple of shows over the weekend for UFC. And uh, we'll, we'll get uh, some NFL picks as well. So uh, that's all for now. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.